Hey, remember me? Uh, this is Tony Bradley. I am the editor-in-chief of Techspective, and I am the host of this podcast. Um, you uh, may have noticed that the podcast uh, hasn't been around for a while. Um, there was some you know, time off for the holidays and just uh, kind of getting ramped up uh, again for 2020. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of going through some stuff to try and uh, shift the approach to the podcast a little bit. So you'll hear on here uh, that my guest and I talk about um, Thanksgiving and the holidays and, and things that are, you know, were coming up at the time that we recorded this because we did it like the week before Thanksgiving. Um, and it just took a while to get it published. Uh, so I just wanted to give that some context uh, before, the, before the podcast starts and just uh, let you know um, that moving forward, um, I'm going to be having the podcast is going to be released a little, it's going to be more consistent. Uh, it's going to be better. Uh, it's going to be more frequent and it's going to be, um, well, there's just going to be some changes, but, uh, anyway, uh, enjoy this podcast and, uh, come back again next week. Thanks. Welcome back to the Inner Circle Podcast. Uh, I have with me as my guest this week, uh, Tim Keeler. Uh, so Tim, uh, if you could go ahead and introduce yourself and give a little bit of background for the audience, that would be great. Yeah, um, well, thanks for, for having me, Tony. Um, so uh, my name is Tim Keeler. I'm the CEO and uh, co-founder of Remediant. Um, you know, I've, I've been doing uh, information security uh, for, for many years now. I started out in the biotech industry um, and there had a, a number of very uh, specific attacks uh, that I was dealing with. Um, really realized that I had a, a much bigger passion for uh, cybersecurity and uh, decided to leave the enterprise world and spent the next five years as an independent security consultant, um, where largely I was helping um, enterprises deal with um, various types of cyber attacks. Most of them were coming from nation state actors um, that were targeting intellectual property. And um, so I got to see the various ways attackers were coming into the uh, into the network, um, stealing intellectual property. And um, it was just a fantastic journey. But there, there was a bit of frustration because I saw the same attack playbooks being executed the same way over and over. And it always targeted administrative level credentials, right? So as soon as the attacker got a hold uh, inside the network, it's like, okay, first thing I'm targeting is admin credentials. And generally it'd be pretty quick for, uh, for an attacker to get a hold of any level of credentials and then uh, ultimately compromise the entire company uh, through their domain controller. And the, the frustrating part was seeing every enterprise, uh, they had spent millions of dollars in their privilege access management uh, tools. And at the end of the day, they just failed to protect uh, the admin credentials that they were designed to, they designed to do. And so that was really kind of my moment to uh, take a step back and really rethink uh, how we approach protecting credentials. Um, largely, it's been kind of vault-centric and vault-based approaches. Um, but then when we take a look at, you know, people's behavior, IT administrators, they generally have this 24-7 access to everything, and they just log into a small number of systems at any given moment. And that was really kind of the inception of Remediant and uh, starting the company to take a different approach here. 
Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, back in September, um, uh, I covered uh, the the funding news. You guys, had, you know, you guys had some some investment news, um, and I had an opportunity to speak with uh, Deepak uh, Jivan Kumar. I'm, I might be butchering his last name uh, yeah. from from Dell Technologies Capital, who was one of the you know one of the primary investors. And you know, one of the things that that we talked about and, and that you just kind of alluded to in, in going through your background is, is that you, you did come from the practitioner side. You came from the trenches, you came, you know, you, you know, and, and so, you know, and then Deepak said that that was one of the things that kind of influenced their um, uh, view of Remediant uh, and their, and their desire to invest was that, um, was that you, you guys aren't, just a company, you know, that just like, hey, one day said, hey, you know, what, how, how can we make some money? Let's let's make this company and 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 try to try to solve this problem, but that you are coming from a place of experience and 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 it gives you a, a little bit more customer centric view of of the issue, uh, you know, like a, as people face it in the real world. Yeah, I mean, I I was on the buy side of the equation and. Really, it was, um, you know, really realizing a couple of things. One is um, how how easy different technology stacks are or aren't, uh, you know, to implement within the infrastructure. And and you know what I realized is implementing technology is so much easier than changing people's uh, behavior and process. And when you take a look at all the the great technologies, right, security or not. Um, the ones that are so successful are the ones that kind of bridge the gap uh, between those uh, two. Because I was dealing with a lot of incidents and a lot of it was process failure and people were so frustrated with using password vaults that they would find all sorts of clever methods to basically get around it. And so, I, you know, it's one thing to point out an individual and say, oh, you just did this the wrong way. But when you start working across a lot of different companies and start seeing the same things over and over, you have to realize, oh, there are some significant challenges for adopting these tools and we want to make that kind of the user centric model and, and to make that easier and so that comes from the people using the tools and it also comes from how quickly you can uh, deploy uh, these new solutions yeah well and you know so i mean at, at one point uh, way back when in my past i was also in the uh, you know it you know network admin and, and security consultant uh, side of things and um, you know, so I'm very familiar with you know what was the prevailing logic at the time, which was the the concept of uh, least privilege access and saying, okay, well, you know, I don't want to give every one of my users uh, admin rights on their on their local PC because then as soon as they get compromised, everything is compromised. You know, so you know, so the, yeah. the prevailing logic was I, I want to make you just a standard user. Uh, and you know, so that if, so, that, you know, when, when you get hacked, uh, it's kind of limited to your machine. And I feel like that, you know, so that's like kind of the foundation. And then we've kind of gone from there to different approaches to privileged access management. And then on to, uh, you know, what remediant is doing, which is kind of even a, a, a step beyond. And, you know, uh, a few months ago. Uh, you know, again, like, you know, full disclosure, um, I, you know, I was, I was working on a project, you know, for you, uh, for Remediant and, um, putting together, uh, some information, uh, from a survey that you guys, 
conducted. And one of the things I found you know, interesting slash uh, very concerning <laughs> was the result in the survey that there are there, there seem to be so many people uh, who, who participated in this survey who don't even really seem to have a solid concept of what privileged access management is because there were yeah. so many people who responded just that they were just using a password vault or they're just using you know active directory permissions and you know it's like okay well that's not privileged access management that's just trying to manage access <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and, and that's so true um and and that was actually you know kind of the the first way we started thinking about solving this this problem right because you know as as part of dealing with a incident response or a breach that a company was going through i would i would um have a conversation with the CISO and I would pick an individual from the IT operations team and and I would ask the question, can you tell me where this this individual has admin level permissions? And I would consistently get one of two answers uh, back. And you know, the first answer would be, oh well, that person's a domain admin, which means they have, you know, access to everything. And from a, a risk perspective, it's, you know, if that one person gets compromised, it's it's came over for the company. And so that's a troubling answer. Um, the other answer I would get is, uh, well, let me run a report and get back to you. And that process would generally take two to three weeks. And that's kind of the other troubling side. And ultimately what I realized is you you can't protect what you don't understand and what you don't have visibility into. And just the nature of Active Directory with, with nested groups, right? Where you could put a group inside of another group inside of another group is, over time, this just starts sprawling out of control. And, you know, you might log into a system, look the look at the accounts in the local admin group and see, oh, well, there's just a couple of groups here. But you it's really hard to actually break that information down to understand, okay, any individual in the company, where do they have admin level permissions to? And so through some of our assessments, uh, you know, from scanning networks and, and breaking all of this information down, um, it seems like every company is just dealing with this administrative sprawl. And the problem is you make a change in one group that you think is completely unrelated and you never understand the upstream effect that it has as it relates to administrative permissions. Um, so having visibility around that, I think, is the most crucial and the one that, you know, there just really aren't many tools that give you this this level of visibility out there. And that was kind of the, the first real big problem we wanted to solve. Right. Well, and, you know, so like when I was when I was a network admin, obviously, I mean, I had to deal with, you know, like I said, we were doing least privilege access. And so I would set you up as a standard user. And then inevitably you would come to me and you would say, OK, but I need to do this. Um, I need elevated privileges to do this. And so I would look at that request and I'd go, OK, that makes sense. And I would set you up with those elevated privileges. Um, that's tedious enough or whatever. That's a, that's a, you know, it, it impacts my productivity. It impacts your productivity. Uh, but it seems from looking at uh, the issues that companies face that the, the, the larger issue is kind of the tail end of that. It's me needing to have a process to remember that, you know, Tim asked for elevated privileges so he could do this one thing. And now it's eight months later and Tim still has elevated privileges. You know, it's the, it's the, it's the revoking, <laughs> it's the revoking of the privileges that becomes the larger issue than the granting. Right. And, you know, and, and I see that as uh, single-handedly the, 
the toughest challenge from an IT admin uh, operations perspective, right? Like, and as humans, we're inclined to take the least path of resistance. And that means like, okay, uh, Tony needs admin permissions and I'm tired of him bugging me all the time for this. So I just make you an admin and I'm done with this. And that's that, right? And, uh, and, and obviously like, we, you know, that's a very specific scenario, but this starts sprawling out of control. And I think even with companies that are dealing with these new technology stacks, like, like AWS, for example, they have so many different types of permissions with all the different services. And it's so specific and granular that, um, it's really hard to scope out just the permissions that, uh, that you may need in this scenario. Right. So it's again, Oh, I'll just make you an AWS admin and, and call it a, call it a day. And, you know, we've been, we've been preaching least privilege forever in this industry. And it's like, okay, we need some tools and we need a good process to make this completely dynamic. Right. Because you don't want to just give this blanket persistent admin privilege, but you really want to empower and enable the user to to do the things they need to do as part of their job. Right. So, you know, one of the things we haven't really touched on yet, and I think it's uh, valuable for the listeners, and that is, can you explain what makes Remediant different from other dedicated privilege access management solutions? And specifically, you know, I want to, I want to get at, you know, the concept of just in time privileged access management. Yeah, so you know, just in time is this uh, this concept that we came up with with understanding. Hey, everyone has this this persistent admin privilege out there all the time, and that introduces a lot of risk. And generally, it takes just one account, and it's game over for the company. Um, you know, and then on the other side, what are these individuals actually doing? And they're just logging into the a small number of systems, whether it's it's patching servers or troubleshooting or whatever it is for the nature of their job. And, you know, so on one side, a lot of risk. On the other side, it's, okay, well, there's not a lot of usage here. Let's create a solution that actually kind of bridged all of that together and did it without um, creating a huge headache around changing process and deploying agents. So we, we deploy as a completely agentless solution and we basically give people the access using their own identity. And that's so critically important in, in cybersecurity and identity management is tying it back to the user. But, you know, if you need access to a uh, server A, for example, and you only need it for four hours, we put that identity into the local admin group after you've gone through that two-factor verification and are requesting specific access. So it's all about making the access rights completely dynamic and giving it just for the amount of time that you need to do whatever you need to do on that system. And then you kind of start at this baseline zero privilege, default deny, and this actually stops an attacker's ability to use credentials to laterally move around the network. All right. And, and, you know, to go back to what I was saying about, you know, it's the revoking of the privileges that's the, the larger issue. I think that that is, you know, the, the, the real value of the concept of just-in-time is, is, is saying, okay, yes, I will grant you this permission, but I'm also going to automate the revocation of that permission so that it's not a thing that I now, as the, as, as the network admin, you know, have to sit there and, you know, babysit a spreadsheet or something to try to figure out who has access to what. 
Yeah, that's that's so critically important, right? Because exactly what you described is, hey, people grant privilege, but no one ever removes it, right? And so things that we've discovered over, over time at, at companies is, oh, domain users or authenticated users will sneak into the admin groups on critical servers or, or even, you know, workstations, right? And that and these are things like, you know, we'll bring the light through kind of doing a, a, an assessment and our scan and 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 we always hear the same things over and over. It's like, wait, how did this just grow to be such a big, big problem? And we had no idea these individuals had admin rights. And so, you know, doing that as a one-time snapshot is is great and important. But the reality is in enterprise environments, that changes on a daily basis. And so this is where we, we created uh, kind of this continuous monitoring concept of, hey, we'll, we'll sync with Active Directory. We'll we'll sync with all of the different workstations and the servers so we know when administrative rights change and we'll help you enforce that, right? So you tell us kind of what your default policy is and we'll make sure it's always at that level while also providing just-in-time access. And that really reduces a lot of the burden from maintaining a solution as well as creating a self-service model for people to get the privilege that they need. Very true. You know, one. Of, so one of the other things that I... Uh, I, I found in the in the survey results, and, and actually, I think this this actually pertains to uh, a lot of cybersecurity. Actually, it might even pertain. You, know, you, you could probably make a connection for for, uh, for this concept beyond tech. But one of the primary reasons cited uh, by organizations that don't have a dedicated uh, you know PAM solution was cost. But then, when you, if you look at you know, well, what's the cost of not having it? It's it's generally more, <laughs> and and you know, like like I say, that, that 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 applies to all kinds of cybersecurity. It's like, well, you know, why didn't you do that? Well, it caught you know, I didn't have the budget to do that. And it's like, okay, well, when 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 the, when the data breach comes, you're not going to have any choice about having the budget to clean up after it, <laughs> and that and, and that's going to cost you a lot more. So it's like, would you rather you know invest in, invest proactively a, a small amount? or deal with the fallout with a huge amount. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and it's uh, you know, to no surprise that, you know, you know, Gartner has actually named privilege access management kind of the, the largest enterprise security initiative for the second year in a row and I think it's the first time they they've ever done that. Um because every time you break down the analysis of a breach, um privilege access is always kind of at the top of the list for how attackers are coming in and and it, exploiting companies. And there's not a lot of technical sophistication around that. Um, I mean, a lot of a lot of companies are getting um, these credentials compromised just through spear phishing email campaigns. And that's really where we wanted to go in with the premise of, okay, we have to assume an admin level credential is going to be compromised. And, and then how do we put in effective security controls knowing that's the case, right? And that really comes to understanding the authorization is like, what where does that account have access to, and how do we mitigate that risk as much as possible? True. Um, I had a, a, there was something you said that that made me think of something, and now I lost it. Um, <laughs> but you know, it it just is. You know, you 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 have this. Um, oh, I know what I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about uh, that for for many years now. Actually, even before. You know, I, I knew of Remediant before you and I, you know, sat down and ever, you know, and chatted at, at RSA. Um, 
I'd been sort of preaching this idea that uh, at the point of attack, uh, all attacks are insider attacks, or, or the vast majority of them are. Like, you know, because we, we yeah. and if you go back a few years, you know, it's like the prevailing uh, mantra was still, you know, kind of us versus them, inside versus outside. And even though we've been saying for over 10 years that the network perimeter is, is, is eroding <laughs> or it's gone or whatever, I, I don't know, we've been you know, varying, varying uh, you know, messages on that theme. Um, the reality is still that a lot of, a lot of cybersecurity still kind of took that approach or takes that approach of, of, okay, well, everything in here, I'm going to, to, you know, sort of trust. And then I just need to prevent unauthorized access from out there. And I had already been saying, okay, yeah, but yeah, you're trying to prevent, you know, uh, let's forget the actual insider threat. Yes. You're trying to prevent, you know, some random cyber criminal from gaining access to your network and stealing data or doing whatever. But the reality is that most of the time they're, they're successful at doing that. It's because either through, you know, hacking, just plain theft, phishing scams, whatever, they've somehow gotten a hold of valid credentials. And so if you're looking at it from the inside, if you're the network admin monitoring your network, you're not gonna see, oh, look, there's a cyber criminal. What you're gonna see is, Oh look, there's Tim taking a bunch of data he doesn't normally take, <laughs> and and you know and so you have to have a different mindset about it, and then that also then ties back to this you know this concept of privilege access management and the concept of just in time privilege access management, so that I can say in, instead of me having to monitor the network and wonder well why is it 3 a.m. on Saturday and Tim is downloading 10 terabytes of data. Um, <laughs> Instead, I can I, I can kind of have a, a little bit of peace of mind that, you know, Tim shouldn't be able to do that because you don't have access all the time. You would have to request that access uh, again, and, uh, and and then hopefully my privilege access management solution will uh, intercede. Yeah, I, I agree with that one hundred percent. And you know, and so I think reporting out on the the access request or the the escalation is so critically important and so you know what a number of our customers do is we they take the events that we we spit out to their sim solution and integrate that into the SOC so um, you know customers will actually define some of their high value assets and we'll we'll have a dashboard that shows when people are requesting access through our platform. Also, when access might be changing outside of our platform. Um, so we'll detect and say, hey, someone just added this new account into the admin group on this system. That should be a point where, where you definitely want to take a look into if it's out of band and um, you know wasn't anticipated. Yeah. Um, one of the other things yeah, I, I wanted to... Uh, I guess sort of come back to uh, from the survey is the, is this idea that uh, so many of the things that were and and, and actually I'll, I'll take one step back. I understand that survey respondents, the survey participants, are choosing from the options that were provided to them. You know, like it's it's not usually a fill in the blanks uh, thing. Um, so I get that these are the options that were offered, uh, but 
you know, it, it still is interesting that like so many are using or, you know, are are calling things privilege access management that really aren't. Um, but but the other interesting piece was that many of the ones who uh, and again, I'm, I'm focusing on the survey participants, but of the survey participants, the ones who claim to have an actual dedicated privilege access man- management solution were also some of the like least satisfied. I mean, they were the, they were the ones who said that it took too much time. They were the ones who uh, I, I I forget the exact number, but uh, 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 an exceptionally high percentage of organizations that had a dedicated PAM solution basically had zero confidence that it was going to prevent an unauthorized attack. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised about that at all. Um, this is something that we hear from uh, customers and prospects uh, very regularly. Um, I would say the average time it takes for uh, enterprise scale deployment of um, these solutions is 12 to 18 months. and. And it's not just the um, you know the expensive cost of uh, a password vault, but it really takes a, a small army of consultants to come in, identify every account where and how it's being used. How do you actually put these into a password vault and um, and use that as kind of your central privilege platform going forward? And I, I think you know there's there's kind of the grand intent of it, but. When we talk about privilege access management, the key word in that is is access. And all the password vaults do is focus on credentials and rotating credentials. And you know, so when when customers try to use this as their sole solution for privilege access, um, it takes a long time to do. And and even once you get through a successful deployment, then there's no monitoring on the back end to know when someone who got admin rights onto a system uh, going through the vault. Um, didn't want that part of their process anymore. So they just go and add other accounts back into the admin group. Well, then you don't have to go through the password vault ever again. But you have no way of knowing this. Um, and you know, and that's where you need this kind of this continual enforcement and monitoring of, of all these things. And um, password votes, they have their place, but the reality it's um it's definitely trying to fit the the square peg into a round hole in this scenario. Um, yeah, I think there's a much easier way to go about that. Um, how I'm, I'm going to shift a little bit from the from the survey. Uh, how does uh, your platform how how does it integrate with and play with uh, you know the the increasingly dynamic environments that that organizations have hybrid cloud, multi cloud, DevOps, containers. Um, it seems like you know, you know, when we talk about like least privilege access, and when we talk about privilege access management, the default is to think of it in terms of human users. Like, you know, I have this many people, and they all have access to these things. But uh, in, in in you know in, in the real world uh, it, now, it seems like devices and containers and and services actually make up you know more uh, a much larger piece of that puzzle. Um, how how do you deal with that? Yeah, I think that's um, an increasing problem for enterprises because, you know, they they go through that stage of realization where it's like, okay, we're we're going into the cloud, right? And then we just we take the the VMs with our on-prem infrastructure and just migrate them up, and it's like, oh no, there's actually a, a 
completely different process for that. I mean, technically you can do that, but you don't get any of the benefits of, of going to the cloud, um, but really kind of creating, and this is where the emergence of DevOps has become so important, right? Where you, you treat your infrastructure as code and um, build and design around that, but it's a very different technology stack. And so you don't just map the old permissions to the new ones. And a lot of our customers are using us to help them into their hybrid cloud journey by you know, making sure they're not bringing all these old permissions into the cloud scenario. And so when we built this, we we had a couple of design principles to stay kind of where technology is going because we're a DevOps company. We are built on Docker containers. Um, we understand these technologies really well. And you know, on the other side of that, okay, there's a lot of automated accounts. And so we built an API-driven architecture that helps plug into all of these different technologies. And so it's very easy for DevOps folks to use our REST-based APIs to say, hey, I have this process, whether it's a human or uh, maybe a, a computer or service account, to tie into that workflow where we elevate when something needs that elevated permission. And then when it's done doing its job, we take that permissions back. Um, a good example of that that a lot of our customers use us for is the vulnerability uh, scanner uh, service account. So in order to, to scan the entire network, this account needs admin level permissions on every system. And so a lot of companies just either make that a domain admin or they put it into the local admin group on every system. But they always ask me, it's like, hey, we know there's a lot of risk around this. Is there a way to have secure one, your platform manage this access? And so you know, the way we kind of position this is, okay, if your vulnerability scanner is only running once a quarter, then you don't need that account with admin privilege out there all the time. And so when it's about to, you know, that scan's about to kick off and it needs access to 50,000 systems, well, we can tie that into an API, a secure API call to our platform to say, hey, here's uh, the service account. We need it in the admin group on these 50,000 systems and secure one will go and put that account in there. So the vulnerability scanner can run. And then once it's done, it makes another call to our API where we take that permission back away. And so this is a kind of a very classic scenario where we can do the dynamic elevation for these types of service accounts, whether it's running in AWS in the full DevOps realm or maybe in some of your security orchestration areas. Right. And, you know, like I said, I think that being able to automate that, uh, you know, I think becomes critical for two in, 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 in two ways. One being, um, again, just how dynamic, you know, the, you know, when, when you, it, it, it's cliche. I mean, that's it, it, all anyone talks about with the cloud and containers, but you know, the reality is that you, you can have like, you can go from like a thousand container containers to, to 50,000 containers and then back to a thousand containers, um, you know, very quickly. And all of this is just kind of happening in the background, and you know, it, so so manu any anything manual or like traditional approaches to trying to manage permissions for something like that uh, seem you know doomed to fail. Um, you know, so that 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 that's one aspect of it. Um, why do I keep losing? I keep losing my trains of thought. <laughs> well, you know, just hearing what you said there, right? You know, this this concept of ephemeral workloads where you can have, um, you know, an EC2 instance in AWS spinning up for five hours 
years, uh, or it could be five months. Um, and you know, and this really becomes a challenge as it relates to asset management. And okay, how do you how do you have something created with the right baseline that you're looking for, and ensure that it's at that baseline no matter how long it's it's operating. And so, this is where we'll come in, we'll tie in, and become aware when this EC2 instance uh, spins up, because we'll get an event uh, from, uh, you know, from maybe it's a uh, you know the, the AWS you know the the logs. And we'll be able to, to tie into that system once we become aware of it, we can start setting the right baseline from a security permissions, whether it's a, you know, maybe a, a root or admin level permissions. And then when that gets teared down, right, we auto destroy that on, on our side. So it kind of alleviates the burden of this asset management problem. But more importantly, you, you get the right security baseline for what you're trying to uh, accomplish. Right. Um... So again, I did recall what I was going to say, uh, which is uh, that when you were talking about you know you being able to grant permission for the vulnerability scanning service when it's needed, but then take it away when you're not using it, rather than having it just sit out there for three months, uh, you know it's just sitting idle waiting to get exploited. Um, that that is, you know, you're also managing attack surface, and it's like you know there there's no such thing as an impenetrable network there's no such thing as bulletproof security but you can certainly limit your exposure to risk by minimizing that attack surface and not not just having accounts that are just sitting there idle uh not doing anything um you know you know the the accounts and the services that you're not actually even using are often the achilles heel that have you you know end up end up getting you compromised yeah, you, you bring up an excellent point, and it's really around, and I think this is a good way to think about security in general, is um, not about, you know, okay, do we have this bulletproof, um, you know, infrastructure, but how do we manage and mitigate uh, as much risk as uh, as possible, right? That becomes especially important for, um, you know, people that have administrative level privilege or any type of privilege, and, you um, you know, you don't want to implement uh, any type of technology or solution that prohibits the business from driving forward, right? Ultimately, you know, security and IT, they play a critical role in enabling the business. And so it's about mitigating the, the risk, making sure that you have good steps and procedures, but make that, that burden as light as possible. Absolutely. Um, so what... I don't want you to, I mean, you're, you are welcome to, but uh, I'm not asking you to uh, divulge any uh, inside secrets about your, your roadmap, but, uh, you know, from from what you can tell us, uh, what what's on the horizon or is there a, is there a what's next? Um, or, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll add on to that and I'll just make a huge long question for you, um, <laughs> which is also... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so what's coming up from the Remediant side in terms of products and services, but also what's coming up for Remediant in terms of um, events and activities? Like, will you be at reInvent? Uh, I guess RSA is kind of right around the corner, uh, sadly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's I mean, favorite time of year, right? <laughs> I mean, I, that, and that's not a commentary on RSA. I love the RSA Security Conference. I'm just saying that, you know, it's November and I already have to be thinking about RSA. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we're, we're in that same boat. Um, so, yeah, we'll definitely be at RSA. Um, I would say our, our next big uh, show is at uh, the Gartner 
Canadian Access Management Summit, which is uh, uh, which is coming in December, and um, so we'll definitely have a, a good presence there. Um, you know, we we actually have a, a pretty aggressive roadmap going on, and so, you know, we decided to tackle you know the biggest attack vector that enterprises are dealing with, and this is you know obviously Windows Active directory along with you know linux really at the operating system level but the way we're looking at this problem and creating a completely dynamic just-in-time model for access really extends itself to a lot of other areas of technology so uh, databases is a real big one out there um uh, i would say network devices uh even the the cloud whether it's technology running in the cloud or the cloud control panel itself uh, and then really extending that to um, you know, different types of cloud applications, right? Because every one of those has a different concept of privilege and administration level. Um, the reality is like we, we should be treating this as kind of a platform agnostic approach and making everything completely dynamic and, and just in time. So we have a lot of things that we're building out to, to make that happen. Very cool. I mean, I'll be definitely looking forward to that stuff. Uh, uh, on on different and unrelated notes, or are you? Uh, and actually, I should say that this this by the time I get this uh, edited and published, uh, it will be next Wednesday. So it'll be the day before Thanksgiving. So, uh, what 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 are your what are your Thanksgiving plans? Yeah, I'm uh, going to go visit and see some family. I've been long overdue for for a visit um so it's nice to have a little bit of downtime and uh yeah and just really reconnect and uh reunite with the family and do you yeah i, I notice this uh, a little bit less now than i used to but it's like so much of corporate america seems to kind of shut down in december like from from thanksgiving to new year's <laughs> it's like yeah. getting getting anything done is very difficult uh, because half the people are on vacation or or whatever, and it's also, you know, coincidentally the end of a you know a fiscal quarter for for most companies, and so, you know, I can say I can say definitely from the from the perspective of being someone who does a lot of work as a freelancer and like submitting invoices and trying to get paid that it's very difficult to get money in December. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone's buying their Christmas presents, right? <laughs> well, and it's just like, you know, like I said, the company's just gone, you know, so I'll, I'll follow up and I'll be like, Hey, uh, you know, that, that, that invoice that, that payments do, you know, what's the status on that? And they're like, Oh, all right. Well, the accounting department will be back in January. You know, <laughs> So we'll, we'll let you You're know. Like, yeah, thanks. Thanks for the heads up. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's just, I, I guess it just is what it is. I, I, I actually um, personally, and, and, you know, I'll keep this, you know, just between you and I and, you know, the, the five people listening to the podcast. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, a lot of times in December, I specifically won't take the vacation day because I'm like, there's nobody else working. Who's going to even know? Right. right. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm working from home, you know, a lot of times and it's like, okay, I don't really need to, I don't, I don't need to technically take the vacation day. I'm here. I'll work if, if something comes up, but nothing's going to come up because there's nobody on the other end. Right. Yeah. It's the slow period. And it's like, okay, well there's a, uh, actually I, I like, I like having that in a headspace when you're not dealing with the constant flux of incoming emails or phone calls or meetings. And it's like, Oh, wow, I can actually play a bit of catch up work. And so it's, uh, 
it's, it's always nice to have that that quiet space to you know kind of come in with a fresh head yeah yeah i need to clean up my inbox too i've got uh 20, <laughs> 20,326 emails oh wow that's that's they're that's not on red because that's a it's a it's a that's a trigger for me or a pet peeve like i i have to they all have to be read or you know at least, <laughs> I, at least have to have seen them um, so I do a very good job of making sure that the unread flag stays at zero, uh, but uh, but I still need to clean them up. It's like I, you know whatever whatever email twenty thousand number three hundred twenty six was, um, yep. I'm never going to look at that again. There's no need for it to be in my inbox. Yeah. Okay. So you're a zero zero inbox kind of kind of person then, huh? Uh, well, uh, I'm a zero inbox oh. like twice a year. Okay. You know, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll just go through. Still dealing with the twenty-two thousand. <laughs> it, it's well, and it's funny because you know it's like so on a day-to-day basis. I'll I'll read the email and I'll think, you know, I, I, so I I get whatever information I need from that email in that moment, and if it's an email, I mean, a lot of my do delete. I mean, so if I didn't delete anything ever, this would be at like eighty thousand. Um, but the ones that I don't delete, it is because I'm sort of like, okay, well, I might need to look at that again, you know, later. Um, but when it gets to this point and I do finally sit down to clear it out, I'm not very, uh, discriminating. I mean, I go through and just delete huge chunks of them. So it's like, it's not like I'm, I'm not going through one by one through 20,000 emails going, okay, (laughs) keep, save, keep, 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 save. Uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I just, I just go, you know what, it's time to be at zero and just blow the whole thing up. (laughs) Uh, That's, I, I like that approach. Um, all right. Well, I mean, but as, so let's 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 wrap up with uh, kind of where should people uh, learn more uh, about Remediant? Where should people follow follow you or follow the company in terms of websites, Facebook, Twitter, whatever? Yeah. Well, you know, the the, the best way to kind of see what we're up to is uh, through our main website, which is www.remediant.com, and that's R E M E. D-I-A-N-T. Um, so we definitely have a lot of things uh, going on there. But if you're uh, coming to uh, Gartner uh, IAM or RSA, um, we usually have some events. Would definitely love to meet up. So feel free to, to reach out. And um, always love connecting with folks, uh, uh, customers or not. Very good. Well, thank you for uh, taking the time uh, to, to chat. Um, like I said, I'm... I'm I'm uh, a fan, and, and having been on the other side and working in the trenches, I, uh, I, I appreciate what you guys are doing. Well, I, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, chatting with you, Tony. So I definitely appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to us. All right. Take care. All right. Talk to you.
I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks, and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions that you'd like to see answered in future posts.